0: Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl,
1: and I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein.
0: So, Rick, uh, a lot to go over. We're also going to be joined on this podcast. We have an interview with Joni Ernst, Senator from Iowa, who has her big, uh, her big event this weekend in Iowa, the roast and ride. Uh, usually, kind of a. Uh, a precursor to a presidential run, all all would-be candidates run out there, getting the keynote speaking slots a big deal. Do you know who her keynote speaker is?
1: Um, I I think he's a certain chairman of the Oversight Committee. Am I right?
0: Trey Gowdy, who has now earned the ire of some on the right, some of the president's allies, because he didn't buy the whole Spygate thing and thinks the FBI was doing really what it was supposed to be doing during the Russia investigation. Anyway, Rick. We're going to talk to Joni Ernst about all of that. Also, a lot going on. I'm at the White House. You're out in California for the California primary. At the White House, I was expected to be seeing the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles here for an event with the president. Uh, they were abruptly disinvited yesterday.
1: And that really is something. I mean, Look, we, we've seen this before from the president in terms of using these invitations and, and disinvitations as political statements. According to the White House, John, as you know, uh, the, the the Eagles indicated that they would have very few people in attendance. So the president decided, rather than fashion something else or fashion smaller, work on a different date. He blew the whole event up, and uh, and, and I guess you'll be celebrating the American flag and the and the uh, uh, and the Star Spangled Banner today, um, as opposed to anything regarding football. The president got got the NFL to to cave, to basically capitulate, put a new policy in place regarding kneeling players. But that doesn't seem to be nearly enough. The president likes this fight and is continuing it. with Some of the highest profiled athletes in the country.
0: So we, we know that a lot of the Eagles were going to boycott this. Uh, and that that obviously is what prompted the president to disinvite all of them. I mean, by some reports, there were going to be about 10 members of the team <laughs> standing with them, which not would not have been a very good uh, visual. Uh, as you can imagine, uh, they have portrayed this as all about the national anthem. Can you help me with something, Rick? Um, I I know you're kind of a font of knowledge. Uh, How many Eagles players over the course of the last football season uh, kneeled in protest uh, during the national anthem?
1: I am going to go with zero. I am going to go with a flat hole goose egg. You are correct.
0: You are correct. It it didn't happen. Not a single one. So it's hard to see that this is really all about uh, uh, the national anthem. Anyway, it's... Uh, it, it is one of those things that routine events, what we used to think were routine events at the White House, a championship team coming in and celebrating uh, have become anything uh, but routine. Uh, you and I spoke to Davey Johnson, the former Nationals manager, uh, uh, about all of this, even before we knew that this uh, this was happening. Uh, about the issue of of players deciding they don't want to go to the White House. Davey's view was that you should go. You should accept the invitation, the politics, the president doesn't matter. Um, but it should be noted that, you know, we, we've never quite seen it to this degree, but we have seen uh, in previous White Houses individual uh, players on championships te- championship teams decide not to go.
1: Right. Right. And what's different here is, is obviously the volume. And what's different is the, the president decided to make this. And and of course, the kneeling issue itself uh, generated as a response to racial injustice under the Obama administration. Colin Kaepernick first started doing it while Obama was still president. The president made this. Uh, president Trump made this a big issue last fall. He forced this new policy. He doesn't view that as enough. Uh, and he's conflating Uh, scattered protests uh, that um, that weren't conducted by the Eagles around racial injustices and police brutality toward minorities with general disrespect for the flag because it plays well for him. And this to me, John, this is a fascinating insight into the president because. We've said before about uh, President George W. Bush when he said he was a a uniter and not a divider. This president, by his nature, is a divider. He actually wasn't looking, I think you'd agree, John, that he wasn't looking for a negotiated settlement to the issue of uh, players kneeling. He wanted the fight. He wants that out there. And actually, I think it has some relevance to the Mueller probe, because for all of his histrionics around Uh, potential uses of power and maybe even firing Mueller. He's not firing Mueller. He is engaged in the fight because he likes the fight and sees the fight as a political benefit. This is a president that is most comfortable when he is engaged in fights real or imagined.
0: Uh, and by the way, King James, LeBron James, has uh, just weighed in on this. Of course, there's an NBA championship going on right now. Uh, the way things are going for the Cavs, uh, I'm not sure how likely it would be that they would be the championship team coming uh, to the White House. But LeBron's take on all this is that uh, whoever wins, it's unlikely they're going to want to go to the White House. Here's what he had to
2: say. People will always call you a champion for the rest of your life. Let's not let um, um, you know, someone uninviting you to their house um, take away from that moment um, because I think the championship um, of winning a, a Super Bowl or winning a Stanley Cup or winning a World Series or winning an NBA championship or a national championship um, is way bigger than getting invited to the White House.
0: So uh, so anyway, no no LeBron James here One either, either way uh, here at the White House <laughs> and, and maybe no Steph Curry either. But... Um, Rick, a lot else going on. You brought up the Mueller probe. Uh, we've had a bit of a, of a dust up here over the question of whether or not a president um, can pardon himself. I mean, we heard from that, 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 that letter written by the president's legal team to the special counsel back in January, the argument that the president cannot obstruct justice because he would effectively be obstructing himself. As the person who is in charge and has control over all of federal law enforcement, he can't obstruct it because he's he's the guy. Uh, it right. was a novel novel argument um, that even Rudy Giuliani uh, came out and said maybe maybe went a little too far. Uh, but now the president's fully embraced the idea that he can um, that he can pardon himself. Uh, I want to play for you what uh, what Chuck Grassley, Republican Chuck Grassley, usual ally of the president, the top Republican on the Judiciary Committee. Here's what he had to say about that. If I were president of the United States and I had a lawyer that told me I could pardon myself, I think I'd hire a new lawyer. So I asked Sarah Sanders about this, Rick. Uh, here's what she had to say.
1: Thankfully, the president hasn't done anything wrong and wouldn't have any need for
0: a pardon. But does he absolutely rule out doing that? I mean, does he rule out ever issuing a pardon for himself. Once
1: again, thankfully, the president hasn't done anything wrong and therefore wouldn't need
0: one. Anyway, uh, just just to kind of round this out, Rick, uh, Newt Gingrich was on uh, uh, CBS and he was asked about all of this. And uh, he predicted that if, if a president were to pardon or announce a pardon for himself, he would immediately face uh, impeachment proceedings that and, and, and conviction in the House, in the Senate and be thrown out of office.
1: Uh, whether or not you believe Speaker Gingrich and whether that would spark Republicans to believe in, in oversight and the rule of law and accountability, I, I think he's right as a, as a matter of practicality that we're actually not going to be talking about the president pardoning himself. It would be akin to political suicide. But this is not about the pardon, in my view, John. It's about power. It's about the president sending the unmistakable signal to Mueller and to anyone else that he is the president, that he can do basically as he pleases. And it is it is echoes of the most uh, expansive arguments made by any president, maybe more expansive than even Richard Nixon would go in terms of what the powers of the presidency are. But I feel like that is him again gearing up for this fight. And it's a fight that's still for whatever Chuck Grassley has to say about it, or even Newt Gingrich, most Republicans, the vast majority of them on, on, on Capitol Hill, are behind the president on this and are willing to go to war with Robert Mueller over this. And the president sees that and is emboldened by that. And we've seen a guy already just in the last few days with pardons uh, and with these claims that uh, of executive power, he is, he is feeling emboldened by uh, what the power that he's exerted, the lack of backlash against it. And my sense would be he continues to push in that direction because that's what his natural inclination would be.
0: Did you follow the uh, 18 seconds controversy with Ted Cruz?
1: I did. I did. Ted Cruz took a long time thinking about his answer, did he?
0: Yeah, he was asked. What was the question he was asked? Can, can a president pardon himself?
1: Yeah, do you believe that a president can pardon himself? And Ted Cruz is, I, I don't know about you, John, but he's argued a couple cases before the Supreme Court. Well, well what, no, no, like, no,
0: no, no, no. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Rick. Let, let's be entirely fair. He was asked the question. He waited 18 seconds. He said he was walking down a hallway. Maybe that's why he... You initially just ignoring the question. And what he said is he it was not an issue he had studied yet, so he couldn't right. offer an opinion. And, you know, to be fair, I mean, what, is, does he have any legal experience at all, Ted Cruz? I mean, no, is, no. I guess, except, no, I mean, except, Give me his bio except, again. Where, 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 uh, Princeton uh, undergrad, uh, I know that. Where did he go to graduate uh, school? <laughs> He went to Har- Harvard Law School. Harvard Law School. And, and, uh, and what, yeah, what was Harvard his job in Texas he had down there? I
1: believe he was the Solicitor General of the state of Texas. Solicitor uh, General does some, what? What a Roughly. couple of cases before yeah. the Supreme Court. It happened, it happened time to time. And to his credit, John, he did explain on Twitter a long thread, basically, that says it's an untested legal proposition that he doesn't feel like uh, he needs to study up on because he thinks of it as, as so unlikely. But no, the, the, the and tongue-tied Republicans. It is unlikely. It is unlikely. But I, I think that the, the tongue-tied Republicans around this, the, the people that are unwilling to say that would be wrong, that cannot happen, uh, is, is another indication of how Trump has changed everything and brought the Republican Party uh, in, into his image. If you can get constitutionalists like Ted Cruz to not come out and slam what would be, I think, a pretty clear abuse of power that may or may not be even a, a, a legal or constitutional uh, use of the pardon power, uh, then it seems to Donald Trump that he could do basically anything.
0: By the way, the uh, current opinion, as as Cruz had, had made reference to uh, when he when he was cleaning up on Twitter on this, uh, from the Office of Legal Counsel at the Justice Department on this question, says that um, it appears to be in the negative. The question of can can right. the president pardon himself? And do you know when that Office of Legal Counsel opinion was issued? Who, Sorry to give me pop quiz a, you.
1: I'm I'm going with Watergate era, but give me an hour. Give me give that's me good. That's
0: good. The uh, it was August 5th, I believe, of 1974. Do you mm. recall what happened? I believe on August 8th, and our our producer uh, Trevor Hastings will tell me if I have if I'm off at all on these dates. But do you remember what happened on August 8th?
1: I will resign the presidency effective yes. noon tomorrow.
0: Yes. So. um... So it's fascinating. That was my that the, Nixon. Was that that was really good, actually. Uh, okay. So it's okay. fascinating that the that the still operative legal opinion from the Office of Legal Counsel was issued just days before Nixon resigned from office. Clearly, offered as <laughs> that there was some concern that maybe Nixon would try the old self-pardon thing. Instead of course, uh, Ford ended up pardoning him. Anyway, all that's going on, but we're about to go to Singapore, Rick. I mean, you know, I mean, I I, I booked. We've now learned uh, that, that the meeting is going to take a, take place at the uh, Capella Hotel uh, on a little island right off the uh, right off the mainland, and uh, this is going to be fascinating. They're the biggest, most high stakes. Uh, foreign policy gambit of of the of the Trump presidency, the, maybe the single most high stakes move that he has made, uh, is happening, and 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 this all while the president's tangled up talking about pardons and unconstitutional special counsel investigation, and everything else. we got a big thing coming up.
1: Uh, I told you not to cancel your, your ticket. I'm glad that you're, I still, didn't, you're, yes. still, you're still ready, You're ready to go to this. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is it's fascinating because the president operates on so many different levels with these things. Uh, yeah, this is a huge, huge gamble. Um, I would also note, as you've seen, John, that they've been, uh, after initially asserting that this was going to be everything done and one and done in one day, they've walked back the expectations quite considerably where the president can now plausibly claim victory that's far short of full, um, irreversible denuclearization of the, of the peninsula. And that, in fact, I think is what we're, we're looking at. But it is, it is uh, an insight into the president's thinking on all of this that it turns out when he canceled the summit, he didn't actually want to cancel the summit. He wasn't canceling anything. It was part of the negotiations. And he, he continues to view uh, Kim Jong-un as a, uh, as a willing, incredible partner in a, in a substantive discussion. Uh, He's giving a whole lot of credit to a guy that hasn't done anything to earn that credit on the the world stage. It's a big, big play by a guy that's thinking big throughout on this. And whatever the distractions at at home, I think the through line here is power. The president feels powerful. He feels like he's got a moment here on the world stage, um, distracted by some events back home, but a moment here to to show what the art of the deal is all about.
0: What what, what if we saw a, a flurry of pardons just as he's coming out? to meet with Kim Jong-un or maybe a, you know, something dramatic like that. Why not?
1: I mean, I mean you know, or you know or, or, you know, or Kim Kardashian or Sylvester Stallone in the Oval Office for all the president compartmentalizes these things. It's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's remarkable, the, the, the flurries that go in every direction.
0: All right. Well, Rick, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa joining us here on Powerhouse Politics. Brought to you by Indeed used by over 3 million businesses for hiring, where business owners and HR professionals can post job openings with screener questions, then sort, review, and communicate with candidates from an online dashboard. Learn more at Indeed.com
1: hire. There's a lot coming at you right now. Turmoil, tweets, an insane amount of chatter. I'm Brad Milkey with ABC News, and I'm here to throw you a lifeline. It's a new podcast called Start Here, where our experts give you on-the-ground access to the biggest stories of the day. We're going to give you some context, some clarity among the chaos. 20 minutes every weekday. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts
0: or wherever you get your podcasts. And start here. So joining us now, Senator Joni Ernst. Senator Ernst, thank you for joining us on Powerhouse Politics.
2: Oh, my pleasure. Great to be with you today, Jonathan.
0: And you've got the Roast and Ride coming up this weekend. I think I was at the very first Roast and Ride. This has become the ultimate Iowa political event. Uh, And I guess Trey Gowdy is uh, is your keynote speaker.
2: That is right, and you were at my first annual Roast and Ride. We had a great time with that, and uh, we do have Trey Gowdy. Congressman Gowdy is coming out. He's a good friend from South Carolina. He's a great, strong, conservative voice in the House, and I'm just looking forward to seeing everybody out for the motorcycle ride and then, of course, course, joining us for the hog roast.
0: I have to say both because it is a great event. I can attest to that, but this is also one of the most sought invitations for anybody in Republican politics to to, to be the, the featured speaker at your Roast and Ride. You have chosen Trey Gowdy. You've kind of given me a, a sense as to why. But let me ask you, he, he's been under fire, real fire, uh, over the last several days uh, because he came out recently and said that there's nothing – to this whole notion of Spygate, uh, that, that in his view, what he has seen, and he has seen the classified information, that the FBI uh, effectively did what they were supposed to do with the Russia investigation. What, what, what do you make of these attacks that we are hearing on Gowdy from, from some of the president's allies?
2: Well, and I think you're always going to see differing opinions, even within the same political party. And while folks out there may be um, critical of this move or that move by um, Congressman Gowdy or by others, um, I still consider uh, Congressman Gowdy a very strong conservative voice. He is a good friend to me as well. And so uh, it's my party, and (laughs) I have invited Trey to be our guest speaker, and he just really is a strong patriot. And I think that those that come out to the event are going to absolutely love what he has to say, his thoughts, Um, he has been a great member of Congress. And uh you know, it's just it is going to be a lot of fun for everyone, and we're going to focus on a, a number of successes that we have had in this administration because not only does he speak his mind, but he has supported um, this administration as well. So again, we we may have differing views amongst different people or or factions out there, but we're all pulling together for the success of our great united states and And again, he's a true patriot in that effort.
0: And what do you make of the underlying issue though? Do do you do you agree with uh with Congressman Gowdy that based on what you've seen, the FBI was doing what it should have done? Or 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 do you think there's this some kind of a you know deep state conspiracy that uh uh that was bigger than Watergate out to bring down the uh the, 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 the Trump campaign? I mean it's really a stark it's a big issue. It's a stark difference. Uh the FBI was either acting with evil intent or they were doing exactly what they were supposed to do.
2: Well, and it is a big issue and if the FBI was acting with evil intent, um then there is a a big issue um with this. But I have to qualify it by saying I have not seen the same Um, documents that Congressman Gowdy has. And so I I would be concerned if the FBI is planting people in different election campaigns without having some valid reason behind it. Now, I have always said that Russia is not our friend. I do not trust um, the Russians any further than I can throw them. Um, so, you know, I don't know the underlying issues or reasons um, behind it. I think that Congressman Gowdy probably has greater visibility than I do. I don't serve on the same uh, types of committees that Congressman Gowdy does. Um, but uh, it would be very concerning if there was evil intent behind it, certainly.
0: But, but knowing Gowdy the way you do, uh, do you trust his judgment? That, that 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 these charges that there. Are, that there's no evidence. I mean, this is somebody who has seen you know everything that 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 is there to see theoretically. Do you do you trust his judgment that the FBI was 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 acting appropriately?
2: Well, I think that he is he is known to be a very dogged um, prosecutor. I mean, he is he will go after uh, any wrongdoer that he sees, and he does it full force. Um, So if there was something that he had found that would lead him to believe there was evil intent, I think he would most certainly uh, go after the agency. So I do trust his judgment. And again, I have not been able to view the same types of documents that he has. Um, So I do trust him. Uh, if there is something there then it does need to be brought up it needs to be brought up for all of congressmen
0: so so switching switching topics to north korea you and and, and you, you you made history by getting elected to the united states uh, senate the first female combat veteran elected to the senate you were a company commander in, in in iraq you you know national security issues you are on the armed services committee you in fact went to South Korea uh, in in February of this year, uh, got got briefed on 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 the threat from North Korea. We're headed towards this summit. It's one reason why I actually won't be at your roast and ride. I'm going to be en route to um, uh, to Singapore. What what is your advice to President Trump uh, going into this summit meeting with Kim Jong Un?
2: Um, the advice that I would have going into the summit with Kim Jong-un is to be strong, represent the United States of America um, from a position of strength and authority. And if he can do that, um, I think we will be fine. Uh, we have many subject matter experts that can work out details of any sort of agreement. Um, but understanding this is Primarily a, a face-to-face meeting, let's lay out the ground rules, let's talk about the issues. Uh, I don't think that necessarily we will see an ultimate um, uh, solution coming out of this first summit. But absolutely, go in with authority, go in um, with from a position of strength, let them know what our expectations are. I'm sure that uh, North Korea will do the same. And hopefully from the starting point, then we can start building upon that, developing a relationship where we're able to ultimately denuclearize the Korean Peninsula.
0: So knowing the issue the way you know it and having spent time on the Korean Peninsula recently, How likely do you think it is that Kim Jong-un would actually be willing to completely give up his nuclear weapons?
2: Well, that remains to be seen, because, again, uh, like I said with Russians, I don't trust the Russians. Well, I don't necessarily trust the North Koreans either, and we shouldn't. Um, But we do have significant sanctions on North Korea. I do believe those sanctions have brought him to the negotiating table. Uh, so I think that we can start working on that deal. I think that we can press the issue. We want to see a non-nuclear North Korea, and we'll see where we can go from here. But, you know, some effort, a level of effort is better than no effort. And this president is the one that has made that happen. We have not seen this effort you know, for, for years. I did not see this effort in the last administration. I see an effort now on behalf of, of President Trump and, and those uh, in his administration to safeguard our friends and allies in that region from North Korea and any evil intent. So I'm just glad that the summit is occurring. I applaud the president on his initiative, and I will pray for the best.
0: And do you think it would be a mistake to reward North Korea before they complete the process of, as we've heard over and over again, complete, irreversible, verifiable disarmament?
2: Right. I do. I think that we have to press hard and there should not be a reward. We shouldn't reward bad behavior. I I think we continue pressing on and, and make sure that we are seeing our goals and objectives met before we yield to any demands coming from North Korea.
0: Sort of keep that maximum pressure campaign in force.
2: Yes, I, I believe we should, because it's what brought them to the table. I think it will keep them at the table.
0: All right, Senator Ernst, I know you have to go. I know you're joining us between votes in the Senate. You've got another vote to get back to. But thank you for joining us. We look forward to having you back for a, uh, a more lengthy uh, conversation in person and look forward uh, to being out at the Roast and Ride next year.
2: Outstanding. It'll be a lot of fun. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you for listening to Powerhouse Politics. Thank you from the entire Powerhouse Politics team, our great executive, senior executive producer, Trevor Hastings, Avery Miller, Angie Ack, Elizabeth Brown Kaiser for Rick Klein. I'm Jonathan Carl. We'll talk to you again next week.